Hey, I'm glad you're here today. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I have the honor of just uh, bringing the word this morning. Uh, the past three weeks, we have been in a series uh, called You Already Know. Uh, and what we've been talking about is just things that you already know, things that you have knowledge of. We talked about in the first week that you already know there is a God. In fact, we even said the Bible, since the Bible says that everybody on planet Earth knows that there's a God, that deep down inside, because they've suppressed the truth, they may deny his existence, but everyone knows in their heart that there is a God. Week two, we talked about you already know you should love your neighbor, even if they get on your nerves. You know you should do that. And we talked about how to unpack that. Who's your neighbor? What does that look like? Last week, we talked about uh, that you should quit running from things and run to God. You already know you should run to God for all things. When you're financially struggling, run to God. When you're emotionally struggling, run to God. Don't run to the drink. Don't run to the stuff. Don't do those things. Run to God because when you run to other things, you're actually still looking for God. But that sells you short because sin always does. It takes you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. Well, this week, uh, we're talking about you already know that there's more than this. You already know that. There is more than sitting in that seat. There's more than taking up space out of the 7.4 billion people on planet Earth. And you taking up the real estate that is underneath your feet... There's more than that. There's more than just going to school 162 days this year. There's more than just going to work 300, uh, how many ever days you work? Five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week. There's more than that. There's more than just putting a paycheck in a bank to pay some bills. You already know there's more than that. But often Satan in his... Uh, game to deceive us and destroy our witness and destroy our lives, we often settle for this. Let me put it to you this way. Celebration Church can exist like this for a really long time. But God never has called us to exist. He called us to thrive. Amen? Uh, wait, hold on. Amen? I'm uh, just checking. I don't know if you uh, saw the worship set and was a part of that, but man, I was about to catch on fire over here, especially if you, how many of you noticed Brian had on cowboy boots with like tips on them? He came ready this morning. I don't know what he said. He knew what the worship set was like. I want to start out with a question just to get, get us thinking. Why do you do what you do? Whatever it is that you do, when you do it, why do you do it? I've posed this question to uh, guys I work out with in the gym because I just want to know why they work out. And, and if they're a believer, I take it just a little bit further. But they'll, I say, why do you want to work out? Why do you work out? And they'll say things like, well, I want to be in better shape. I want to pick up chicks. You know, they, they have all these reasons. And I always say, okay, once you're in better shape, then what? Because there's got to be more to it than just being in shape because everybody's in shape. Some of us are round, you know, some of us are tall, some of us are skinny. You know, we're all in some type of shape. So what does shape matter? What why does it matter that your body's in good physical condition? Because at the end of the day, you still die. So is there more to getting in shape and working out? And obviously that there is. Why do you go to work? Why do you do that? Why do you do the job that you do? Some of you say, I don't, I'm retired. <laughs> 
But why do you get up every day and do what you do? If your reasoning doesn't start and end with God, then you're missing the more in what you could be doing. You've settled for something so much less. So that's where I want to challenge us this morning. If you have your Bible, you can actually open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, to think that there's more than this, for you to live like there's more than what you are doing, there's more to what you're doing every day, you might seem a little bit crazy. If you don't engage in the, some of the lazy practices of your office because you know that there's more than this, if you don't engage in the laziness of schoolwork, if, you're not the, if, if a student in this room will do this, you may be the only student that will do it. If you will make sure that when your foot hits your campus at 7.30 or 7.45 whenever you get there, if you will not make your goal 3.30, you will be unique. Because every student, their goal, the second they get on campus, they spend from 7.30 to 3.30, the only goal that they have is 3.30. And then what? Well, I get to go home and have a snack. Then what? Well, then I'll play a video game, do my homework. Then what? We get in this crazy cycle when we don't realize and live in the more of what God has for us. We just exist. Just like Celebration Church could be one of the 300 churches that exist in our county. But I think there's more than this. I believe God has called us to more than this, but sometimes that looks a little bit crazy. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 13 says this, if we are out of our minds, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and Corinth was church gone wild, if you know what I mean. If we are out of our minds, it's for the sake of God. So Paul is saying, if, you're, if I'm crazy, it's for Jesus. Everybody say, I'm crazy, and it's for Jesus. Some of you, it's just hard to even say that. If we are in our right minds, it's for you. So if you can just even, you know, stand me just a little bit, that's for your, your, your good. But if I'm crazy, it's because of what God has done inside of me because I believe there's more. There's more than just the band playing four songs and then us just singing. There's more than standing at the door and greeting. There's more than coming here on the Sunday for a couple hours and checking off a box. There's more because if there's not more, I want to go home. I don't want to do this anymore if this is it. But guess what? There is more, and I know you know there's more. Why? Verse 14, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us. There's something more. His love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Jesus died for everybody, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Paul is saying, hey, there's something more because Christ's love compels us to say, hey, there's more than this. You're not just taking up space. You have a purpose. You matter. You're not a mistake. Now, you make mistakes, but you're not a mistake. You have a purpose because Jesus Christ died and he not only raised from the dead, but he lets you walk in that resurrection life free from sin. We'll get into that deeper. Verse 16, he says, So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. There's a shift in our thinking as believers. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If you see somebody raised from the dead, you don't think of them in human terms anymore. Do you? I mean, if somebody fell dead right here and then they came back to life, all of us would view that person just a little bit different. That's what Paul said. The world looked at Christ as he was like this cool prophet and this great rabbi. And then they crucified him and he came back to life changed everything they couldn't say well he was just a good man they couldn't say he was just a teacher they couldn't even say well he's a little crazy they had to say he's god and that changes everything and just think about the life of the believer people should have a different perspective of your life because you claim to be a follower of christ because you are a christian verse 17 why therefore if anyone is in who Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Write this down. I have to get to a place where I view life from God's new perspective. There's not more to this life unless you have a different perspective. There's not more to a Sunday morning. When you wake up on a Sunday morning and of 40 to 50% of the time you will attend church, According to statistics, when you wake up in the morning and decide, it's all about your perspective. If there's not something new and something more about your life every single day, then you probably will struggle with whether or not to lay in bed. When it comes to serving the community, if there's not more to your life than just mowing your lawn and keeping up your house and living in your neighborhood and having your stuff, then you will probably not understand the fullness of what God has for you. you. We've got to have a change and view life from God's new perspective because God gives you a new perspective. I was discipling a, a new believer uh, just this past week, uh, Brittany Stillwell, our, our student minister, and I meet with this person and uh, I asked them, since you came to Christ, do you view sin differently? And they was like, yeah. I said, does it seem like there's like you hate it more and you're more aware of it? They're like, yeah. I find myself you know, more aware of when I do something and I want to make it right. I said, you've got a new perspective. You view things differently. If, let me say this to you. If you still view your sin the same before you met Christ... And after you met Christ, can I tell you this? And I'll say this without reservation, you have not met Christ. If you view sin the same, if sin does not bother you, if it does, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer and he is there to convict us of sin and lead us into all truth. See, there has to be more than this because God has made more than just, just than us just to take space up on the planet. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 4. He says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. So there's a change. Everybody say change. See, a new perspective brings change to our life. As the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking... They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Paul is not saying people are stupid. 
He's saying because their hearts are hardened, they don't realize the stupid things that they do. I know you don't say that word in your house, but give me grace. Having lost all sensitivity, I believe... I, I think the scriptures teach also that believers have this tendency because the Bible says that we can quench the Holy Spirit's conviction in our life. When you disobey and when you don't do what the scriptures say, that quenches the Holy Spirit and you too can lose some sensitivity. I don't think you'll become numb, but I think sometimes you can... How many of you have a constant pain element in your life? My feet hurt me all the time. Okay, so you just sort of get used to it. This is sort of how we do as believers, even though in our physical bodies we're wasting away. Our spiritual bodies, our spiritual life should be growing stronger and stronger the older you get. But often our physical bodies match our spiritual walk, which shouldn't be the case. Our physical bodies, just as you get older, you're going to waste away. But there's nowhere in Scripture that, that, in fact, as you grow closer to Christ, you can be 95 and be blazing white hot for Jesus and be feeble in your body. That's what I want to be. I want to be this skinny, wrinkled up, white man with white hair and just blazing for the glory of God, barely moving. But spiritually, I'm doing Mach 5. I believe that's what the scriptures tell us can happen. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Nothing's off limits for the world. This is why they need Christ. Some of us in this room, this is how we live because we've not met Jesus, but we've gone to church, we've been dipped, we've been dunked, we've said some kind of magical prayer that we thought saved us. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of purity with the continual lust for more. The only way that you can ever be satisfied is if you go after God because he's the only thing that satisfies. Jesus said, I am the living water. If you drink of me, you will never thirst again. Jesus wasn't saying you won't need to drink a glass of water. He's saying, but there's something deep inside that, that you're, the man of God and the woman of God and all of creation is crying, there has to be more than this continuous repetition of mundane living. There's got to be more to my job than this. Well, if it's to build wealth, guess what? You can't take it with you, so wealth isn't the purpose of your life. Was to have kids. Well, guess what? They will or you will be gone before everybody's going to die. So the purpose isn't in itself to have kids. The purpose has to be I go to work for the glory of God so that people can see the Son of God in my life. I have children so I can pour the glory of God into their life so they can become the sons and the daughters and the warriors of God in this earth. And we need warriors today, don't we? Some people aren't having children because of the way that the world is. Are you kidding me? We should have children and we believe in the God who resurrects people from the dead and we tell our children about that God. The second we back down and we're afraid of this world, we're saying it's greater than our God. You already know this, but do we live this? Paul goes on to say this. 
You, however, I love it, did not come to know Christ this way. You didn't come to know by indulging in everything. You came to know Christ. Surely you've heard of him and were taught in him with accordance with the truth. That's the scriptures that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, the reason people don't experience the new life and the new things of God is because they, they, they want God to work out things in their life instead of work in their life. Let me say that again. Things don't work out because we, allow, we don't allow God to work in. You know, it's not your boss. It's not your job. Because our jobs are way, way greater than the disciples. I mean, they didn't have the air conditioning you work in. Well, Brian, I work in construction. Well, they didn't have power tools. They make hammers now, okay? I don't even know how to use this. They have a magnet on it for a nail starter because people in the world today can't even start a nail. I guess they hit their thumb. I was talking with Chris about that. And I've got one with something on the side. I don't even know what it's for. It's got magnets all over it because I guess we need to learn how to start nails. So we put it in there and, ow, you know. We're, we live in a world where we've settled for so little that we've taken God out of the equation. I want God to work in my life, not work outside of my life. We need to quit worrying about what we look like and worry about what's happening inside. See, a lot of times we even do that physically at the church. Like in the near future, we're going to repaint the auditorium, the sanctuary, whatever you want to call this room. But See, that, that doesn't change a thing if the people in here doesn't change. And we don't need a new paint job. We don't need a facelift. We need our hearts awoken to something greater. That's why I must write this down. Root my devotion in God alone. See, we've got to dig down. We've got to dig down deep. See, God calls us to be devoted and devote all we have to Him. Anything less leads us to a mundane, empty life that is found outside of Jesus. Man, you can have a pretty decent life without God. I mean, it's from one temporary pleasure to the next. But guess what? There's more. Everybody say more. See, God changes my devotion. When I get connected to God and when I put off the old self and put on the new self and when I walk in that new creation that God has promised to us, He changes our devotion. He doesn't necessarily change your circumstances. I mean, there could be people in this room right now that are just coasting. They have no intentions of letting God awaken their heart today. They want to blame everything on the church. They want to blame everything on their circumstances. If they're dead in their faith, it's somebody else's issue. They walk around with bitterness. 
They spread gossip and lies. But they're not walking in the newness of what God has called you to. And the newness has nothing to do with gossip. The newness has nothing to do with bitterness. It's, it's freedom. It's walking in the freedom of God. So God changes my devotions. Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 3. He says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in... Everybody say love. Man, we get our feet rooted in love... And God is love, by the way. So we get our feet rooted in God. Established in love may have power together with all the saints. So it takes us all to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So there's double filling there. That's a double stuffed Oreo cookie scripture, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. My devotion has to get to a place where I know that there's more than this and my feet will not move. You cannot move me. But see, I can't grasp the things of God unless I'm rooted in devotion to God. I mean, I I really believe it's simple fundamentals. If we, every one of us, for the next seven days, and this isn't a try at Jesus campaign, but for the next seven days, you as a husband step up in your house and you say, as a family, we're all going to read our Bible for the next seven days. You say, well, I don't know where to start. My goodness. You know how many Bible reading plans are on the Bible app? Probably about 7,000 or something. There's no reason for us to have an excuse in this day and age not to open up the Word of God and read it as individuals. We should step up just to do that, that devotion. And I believe that fundamental alone would change the course of Christianity in Wilkes County and the Bible Belt South. Praise God. Paul goes on to say this, because he says, How is more possible? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Do you think this way? Think about this before we finish this verse. Do you have a mindset like this? Now to him, to Jesus who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen means I agree. I'm full in. I'm right on with that. Do you believe that God is able to do more than you can imagine? Then why don't we dream more? I know crazy things are said from this stage that we literally want to reach 69,000 people. That's stupid to say that out loud because you can give me all the stats of why that's not going to happen, but my God can do more than I can ask or imagine. This is why we shouldn't kill our children's imagination. Maybe they'll be the generation that finally believes in the God of the Bible. Is that too hard? Maybe so. I want my son to believe that God can do anything because God said it. 
And I want him to walk in that truth and know the fullness of God and believe in the greatness of God. See, we've humanitized God, I think. I do it all the time. I see the circumstances. There's nothing I can do to change the circumstances. So I think God can do nothing about it. When he's going, hey, when's the last time you breathed out a star out your mouth? Never. I did. You try making everything out of nothing. I know. If you're sitting here and you don't even believe in God, we believe in some crazy stuff. Unless you believe that there is a God. And I know you believe that deep down inside. There is a God. He sent His Son, Jesus. He is real. We bank everything. Celebration Church believes His Word fully. When you read your Bible and wonder what we believe, you just found out what we believe if you read your Bible. I remember when uh, the Da Vinci Code came out, the book. I had a student run into my office and said, Did you know about this? I said, yeah, that's fiction. Oh, no, no, no. Did you know about all this stuff about Jesus? I said, that's not in the Bible. They said, well, I don't know. It could be true. And I opened up to like the, the preface of the book. And it says, in this fiction novel, and I hand it back to the girl. And she's like, oh, fiction. The novel's fiction. Guess what? Not fiction. You are here because this is real. God made you to know Him. And you cannot know Him unless you know His Word. See, there will never be more to life until I'm devoted to God. God changes my heart and my imagination. Paul continued to write to the church in Corinth. He wrote some amazing stuff to them. He says, for I am the least of these. Because some of us, we got excuses. Why there is no change. Why we won't settle for more than this. Well, Paul addresses that. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and don't even deserve to be called an apostle. He says, I don't deserve more than what the lowest part of life brings. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, y'all read this with me. I am what I am. Does that sound similar to what people say? We'll finish reading this, but I hear this all the time. I am who I am. This is me. If you don't like it, leave it. You know, they, nobody today says I am who I am, and it, it means something awesome like Paul's getting ready to say. They just sinned, and you didn't like it, and they go, I am who I am. It is what it is. But Paul's not saying that. Paul is saying something happened, and he is who he is because of God. There's more to Paul's life than running around persecuting Christians and memorizing Scripture and taking it out of context and trying to prove that he deserves God. That's what he was. He was a Pharisee, and they were religious. They went to church all the time. They read their Bibles. They memorized Scripture, but there was nothing. Jesus said, y'all are whitewashed tombs. You're clean on the outside like a shiny coffin, but on the inside is dead bones. He called them broods of vipers. And Paul was one of them, and he met Christ, and Christ changed him. He said, 
by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. He said, I couldn't get away from the more of God. He said, I knew there was more, and when I met Christ, I experienced the more. He said, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet I, but by the grace of God that was with me. He said, man, there's more because of God. If you will not devote your life fully to Christ, you've got all you're going to get. And you may get more money, you may get, but inside, that's it. You can't, you, you have nothing. There's nothing on this planet to fulfill you in that way. So Paul basically said this, write this down, let others see Jesus in me. Had a conversation with a, a person a few weeks ago, and they say, people never change. Man, as a preacher, I just bit my tongue for a second and say, Holy Spirit, give me guidance, because I wanted to jump all over that. See, it's not a matter of whether people change. We need to realize that God commands it. God says, change. He says, be holy because I'm holy. He says, flee from sin. He commands your and my change. But here's the beautiful part. He will never command a change in your life that he will not do in you and that he has not already done for you. I know you struggle with that area, and I don't know we could go through a list, but just pretend I said that thing. God can change that in you. You cannot. And I believe in all the recovery programs and the addiction programs, but at the end of the day, if Christ hasn't changed you, it's a Band-Aid on a hemorrhaging wound. Because God, only God can change. So we got to quit focusing on the outside and focus on the heart. Galatians 5.1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. He goes on to say in verse 7, he says, and this is one of my favorite passages, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You ever seen somebody that was once on fire for Christ and for whatever reason, all of a sudden they're right back in the same stuff that they were in? And you, we all start thinking, well, did they really give their life to Christ? Or what happened? Well, Paul asked this same question to the church in, in, in Galatia. He says, what happened to you guys? Y'all were running such a good race. Who cut in on you? And I'm sure as they were reading that letter out loud publicly, I'm sure people thought in their mind, well, it was such and such fault. Or it used to be like this. If things were still like this, then I would be still like that. Look, Celebration Church is not what it was 10 years ago, and I hope it's not going to stay the same here today. I hope we continue to grow in Christ. And guess what? The only answer to that is if you grow in Christ. Celebration Church is not a building. It's a people. And you are part of that. And I believe we're part of something that's getting ready to erupt, one of the biggest movements in our county's history and this area's history to see a hunger of a people of God that says, you know what, there is more than this and I will live like there is more than this. 
Paul says, who cut in on you? What happened? And then he answers that. He says, this kind of persuasion, it doesn't come from the one who calls you. It came from outside of Christ. If you fell off the wagon or off the horse in your spiritual relationship, you can't point at a human. You can't point at a church. You can't point at a circumstance. All those things aren't sufficient. You got your eyes off of Christ. You need to turn your face back to Him. And then he says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Now, when I was preparing this message, I was like, I have verses somewhere else in the Bible. So I started looking. I'm like, yeah, it's in 1 Corinthians. Listen to this. Paul said, your boasting is not good. Don't you know a little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough? And then he says this, get rid of the old yeast that you may be who you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So when you get knocked off the path, you've allowed yeast to get in your life. And what does yeast do? It spreads. It can spread through a whole church. You've allowed a compromise. You've allowed a a secret sin. You've allowed a, a, a blatant sin. You've put blame on everybody else when all that you have to do is repent which means turn your face back to God, agree with Him about your sin, and the yeast is thrown out, and you get to be, I love how Paul put it, he said you get to be who you really are. Man, we have so many identity issues. If I were to ask a person, who are you? They might give me their name, but I would say, who are you? People don't even know who they are anymore. It's because we've allowed the yeast that set us apart from the more that God has for us and we need to throw it out and be who we really are. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be... Everybody say free. Man, the freest people in the world should be believers. But then Paul says, But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather serve one another. So we got to let others see Jesus. You're, by the way, your faith is not private. It is private. Let me say this. Your faith is not private, but it is personal. People say it all the time. Well, my faith's private. That's why, you know. No, no, it is not private. Jesus hung nude on a cross for the world to see. Your faith in him is not private. It is personal. It has to happen to you and to you and every person in here. But it's not private. It's a public thing. So Paul says we've got to serve one another in love. So well, there's two aspects I, I want to talk about in this more. How do we get more? Well, first, we serve in the physical. 2 Corinthians 10 3 through 6 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage world, uh, war as the world does. This is how I find my battles. This is how... Oh, man, that song is my jam. How many of you have never heard that song before today? All right. It's not on Caleb. Let's just tell you that. So, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
See, a lot of times we'll run, in, run to God with our mess. You see people do this all the time. I'm still trying to figure this out in areas of my life. I run to God with my mess, and then when God cleans up my mess like he does, because that's what he does, I walk away and go, thanks, God, I'm good now. And he's going, no, 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 give it 30 days. You'll be back. I see people who will almost wreck their marriage with choices, whether it be adultery or uh, substance abuse, and they, they do whatever, and they get a second chance in their marriage. And God starts to heal their marriage. And the second they start getting some traction towards the good, they throw up a thumb towards God and say, thanks, and they start walking away. And then what happens? The same thing happens again. See, we have to walk away. we got to fight a battle that's spiritual. Verse 6, Paul said this, And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. There has to be something inside of you that will not settle for the less in your situation. If you've got anger issues, you've got to deal with it. If you've got substance abuse issues, if you've got financial issues, if you're afraid constantly and you're anxious constantly, you cannot settle for the less. There's more than that thing having authority over you. And Paul says, we've got to be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. That's strong language. Now, that's not talking about you taking, you know, where you're whipping your back or doing, you're physically harming yourself. But it's saying you're willing to do whatever it takes to demolish in the name of Jesus whatever it is to keep you from the more God has. So not only do we serve in the physical, but we fight in the spiritual. We wage war. Or Brian, I'm a pacifist. I about said pacifier. Well, we don't wage war like the world does. You see the people here and the 69,000 people, some of them you will encounter, we don't wage war against them. We, we say it this way here at Celebration. We have ground war. That's where we serve people. And then we have air war. That's where we pray and we fight in the spiritual realm. And if you reread what Paul just wrote, he says, we, we demolish arguments and pretensions in anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We wage war against principalities and powers of this dark world. You may not believe that, but if, if you don't believe that, then you're giving the enemy authority over your life. If you don't think the enemy is real and demons are real and their spiritual attack. Now, for some of you, everything's a demon. You just need to get out of bed and quit being lazy. You just need to quit doing whatever you're doing. But there is spiritual warfare going on and we are to engage in that warfare. We declare war on the enemy. Man, that Satan and the demons ought to be trembling at their feet when Celebration Church wakes up on a Sunday morning. He knows we're going to gather together. He goes, man, those people, when they leave there, man, they blaze all week long. And they're just taking ground back from us. Man, take your home back in Jesus' name. Take your life back in Jesus' name. Wage war. Don't just sit there. There's more than this, and you know it. But we sit in a culture who settled for this. People don't want Jesus because they don't see him. 
They get to that place where they don't see us fighting. They see us fighting for more pay and more hours. They see us fighting with gossip. They see us fighting over over color of carpet. We don't have carpet. But we fight over the silliest things. We need to fight for the souls of people by coming up against Satan in the Word of God and in the name of Jesus. So our next step is real simple this morning. It's do more than this. Write that down. Do more than this. I don't care what it is in in Jesus' name, in the glory of God, in the focus of God, do more than this. Maybe do more than this means you actually take a note and bring a Bible next week. You actually write something down. You've been walking with Jesus for 35 years and you never wrote a thing down. you got a photographic memory, don't you? Maybe just a simple discipline thing where you sit down at your... uh, Instead of turning on the Cowboys and the Panthers tonight, sorry, Panthers... uh, my Cowboys are going to win? I don't even know. I don't even know who's on the team, uh, so I can't even speak for it. But see, instead of focusing on sports, just turn everything off and just say, hey, we're not even going to read out loud together, but let's just sit in the living room. Let's sit in the, around the table, and everybody just read your Bible and write down three things that God is saying to you. Man, it could change your family. Or maybe you don't want more than this. Maybe you're okay. I'm not okay. Is anybody not okay with just this? Anybody raise your hand. I just want to see. Okay, thank you. Sometimes I get scared. I'm like, I'm going to be alone. But then I think perfect love casts out all fear. So why am I nervous? I love what James, in our Ironman Bible study, the second Saturday of every month, every man in this room should be at 7 a.m. I know it's early. If you can be, if you're not doing something else, 7 a.m. in conference room 2, we gather And we were going through the book of James, and James is not an easy book. He is really tough on men. The half-brother of Jesus wrote this in James 4, 17, and this is what I want to end with. Because I don't know what you need to do. He says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, what's that last word? Sins. Can we just, this morning, repent of whatever that is and believe God has more than this? Would you pray with me? In fact, as we pray, would you just stand to your feet? Every single week, this altar is open. You don't even have to, there's nothing magical about coming to the altar, but sometimes just that act of physical movement gets your spirit to wake up. But whatever it is that you need to do, I'll pray with you. Pastor Chris is over here, Gabe's over here. If you need us to pray with you, just come up and ask. If there's something that you need to break free from and know that there's more than this, do it today. Why in the world would you continue to let that poison stay in your spiritual life? Apathy is probably the greatest poison I see in Wilkes County. I mean, there should be something so burning inside of us. So let's just ask God for that. Father, right now I ask that whatever you did to Jeremiah... You do to every one of us in this room. 
where Jeremiah said that your word is like a fire shut up in my bones and I want to hold it in. I don't want to be public. I don't want more than this, but there, your, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones and I cannot hold it in. Lord, may we be those people. We do not settle for this, Lord. We want the more that you have. But Lord, that more only comes through the repentance and through our devotion to you, through us serving people on the ground and through us waging war for people in the air. So shake us to our souls, Lord. Lord, there's people in this room from Honduras right now visiting. Lord, may we realize that we want them to burn bright for Jesus in Honduras just like we want to burn bright for Jesus here in Wilkes. So Father, just do that work right now and may we follow your leading. Holy Spirit, lead us. It's in Christ's name. Amen.